The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, good morning and welcome to Ben Salem Baptist Church Livestream Devotional and the Source of Truth podcast. We're so glad you're with us on this Tuesday edition of our podcast, and we're glad you've taken time to join us as we have been doing a study through the book uh, or through the story and the account of what many call the Christmas story, also known as the Advent or the first coming of Jesus. And that's really what we're looking at. We're looking at different aspects that go deeper than just the aspects of the Christmas story. And here in a couple minutes, that's exactly what we're going to be referencing is uh, looking at some things that have become standard as known things in the Christmas story, but yet we're going to find out how little or how much the Bible actually says about them. As we're getting ready to do that, one mention to those of our, those of you in our church, you know that uh, the news weather forecast is claiming a nor'easter potentially coming our way. And initially, it was above us and to the west in New York, and I uh, was going to kind of miss us, but it does seem like. Um, it's kind of fitting right down the 95 corridor, which of course is exactly where we are. And uh, so it looks like, according to the weather, that tomorrow night, if nothing changes, that tomorrow night the drive home between 5 to 8 o'clock is when it's supposed to get ugly and messy. So we're going to keep our eyes on that uh, because we want to let you know that we, what we last thing we want is people driving in a dangerous scenario to be able to come. And uh, so we might, you know, if that happens, we'll um, end up not having services tomorrow night for safety. Uh, if we believe that the storm is coming in late enough, say like maybe about, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night, where we can have church safely, then we absolutely will do that. We want to make sure whatever is safe. As much as we want to have church, we want to be safe as well. And uh, so in both those scenarios, keep your uh, eyes. We'll be posting it on Instagram, posting it on Facebook, posting it on Twitter. Um, we will have it uh, on our website, and then we'll send out a text and an email letting people know what it is we're doing. So check one of those uh, before you come tomorrow night to know whether or not we are going to have our service. Uh, we're going to dive right in now. We're in Luke chapter 2 this morning. Luke chapter 2, we finished in yesterday's episode talking about this inconvenience that um, God had brought in and used Caesar Augustus um, to be uh, to create this taxing, which obviously is a great historical point to find out more details about the birth of Jesus and bring historical fact behind this, but also the inconvenience in that Joseph, in many occasions, had to just continue um, to change his responses. And we know that he did not react, he responded, and the inconvenience was used. And God used even, I mean, consider bad things to ultimately fulfill his purpose. We even talked about that Sunday in church, and so we hope that was an encouragement. Today we're going to look at a verse, and you'd be amazed. You'd be amazed at how much of the Christmas story, as we see it, I'm talking the nativity scene, uh, the manger, uh, there's no room in the inn, all of these things, major aspects of this story, how they're all found in one verse. And the thing about it is how much of it is in the Bible. I've mentioned before that one of the things that often happens, and I didn't want to do, is we often look at the Christmas story from the accounts we see in the news or the accounts we see in today's culture. Uh, for example, one thing that we do know to be true is when you see a nativity scene. You'll see a nativity scene and you'll see animals and you'll see baby Jesus in a manger with Joseph and Mary and the shepherds, and, and more than likely all of it very true. Uh, we can't prove. There's nowhere in Scripture that actually says they were in a stable and that there were animals there. We get the conclusion of the stable simply because 
that she, Jesus was placed in a manger, which would be found at a feeding trough for animals, which makes sense. Uh, so all of that fits what we know, what little we know from Scripture, what really took place. But you also see the wise men there. Now, that's not a big deal. I'm not, I'm not knocking nativity. We use them. I think they're great. Uh, but one for us to recognize is the wise men didn't come for two years later, uh, actually. And here's where we get the idea of the two years later. Uh, they came to the house where the child was, as described. Herod told them, come back and tell me where this child is so I can worship him as well. Of course, he was trying to find out when the star was. And we know that Herod went to try to kill uh, uh, Hebrew boys from two years old and younger, giving us the impression that uh, the, the, probably Jesus was two by the time the wise men got there. And you just pictures walking from where they were to, to Jerusalem to, to Bethlehem must have been an extreme scenario in of itself. So what we're going to do is look at verse... Um, Number seven. Actually, let's start in verse six so we can get a little bit of context. We know that they came to Bethlehem to, um, to be taxed. In verse six, it says, And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger uh, because there was no room for them. In the end. So I'm going to just take a minute and break down some of the things that we know for a fact. Much of, I say, much of what we see in the area of the nativity is all found in these two verses. And uh, frankly, found in just one of these two verses. So let's glance a little bit at what we see. Verse 6, And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. The phrase, while they were there. The impression is always given to us that, um, and I've seen this in plays, We've, I've participated in plays in high school like this, where um, Mary and Joseph are pounding on doors in different places trying to get a hotel to stay in because she was in labor at the moment. That is a very good possibility, but we actually don't know. We actually don't know. We assume the only reason a lot of people assume it was immediate was she was great with child, but two, um, the first night they were in obviously some kind of stable because the, uh, the baby was put in a manger. But the question was, would they really spent several days in a stable? Uh, would they not, after a few days, been able to find some kind of lodging in, in his ancestral hometown? And uh, so that's one of the things. Now, we don't know. Now, let me tell you something interesting. Bethlehem, Bethlehem was small. Um, all the ancestors that lived that were from Bethlehem came back. Please remember in the idea of the inn, there's two different aspects to it. There were common houses, the aspect of uh, an idea we'd say a hotel. But remember in Luke 11, we talked about the idea of prayer where this man comes to his neighbor and says, make me a sandwich at night. I, my friend is coming. I want to feed him. And of course, the friend says, you know, my children are bad. The door is shut. We cannot do that. And the story, well, the story dictates that culturally, if a friend or, answer, or relative would come to town, it became the obligation of other relatives to house them and to feed them. So there could have been common lodging. lodging there could have been um, housing. The point was, is that it's so full that even with all of these customs, they still could not find a place to stay. That's how full Bethlehem was at the time. So we don't really know how, how long it was. It doesn't matter. We do know that while, while they were there, whether it was the first night or the first week, uh, Jesus was born in place in a manger. Uh, let's go to verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son. That phrase is very important. One of the biggest uh, controversies, I don't call it a controversy, but other religions do, in the aspect of Mary. Uh, when you want to make Mary divine, you have to state the fact that Mary remained a virgin for the remainder of her life. Today, many churches still call him the, her the Virgin Mary. She was the Virgin Mary until after Jesus was born. So, Mac, yesterday we read where Joseph, the Bible says, and Joseph took her to be his wife and knew her not until she brought forth her son. Uh, they stayed away and did not have intercourse until after the baby was born. 
until that was a fact. It happened at one point. We also know in other places where there were descriptions of Jesus' family and brothers and sisters. Now, people will find all kinds of ways to debate that, but here's an interesting phrase. Verse 7, she brought forth her firstborn son. If that was the only son, you'd see a phrase similar to what God says of Jesus, my only begotten son. Firstborn son dictates the idea that this was the first of other children to be born to Mary. Then it goes and he has wrapped him in swaddling clothes. I've heard that a lot of people make this comparison as a picture to the time that Jesus would be wrapped uh, to be placed in the grave. Um, I actually looked that up this morning before doing this, and there's not a lot behind it I could find. I, I could be true. I didn't read every commentary I could find. What I did read was it was completely normal. A baby's born, they're washed, and they're wrapped up in cloths and placed down there. So more than likely, Mary knew she was going to have a baby, so she prepared for that, and he was prepared as, as basically any baby would be at this point. So they wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. So here's the phrase, laid him in a manger, is the phrase that we get almost the entire aspect of the nativity scene from. That one phrase, laid him in a manger. Now we know the word manger, it sounds romantic because of the Christmas story, but the manger was a feeding trough for animals. That's all it was. And so because of that, we would conclude that a family member would not bring a manger into their house. We would conclude it would not be an inn. Um, we obviously knew they had to find some kind of um, unconventional housing because there was no other place to stay. So those two phrases work together. So we conclude a manger. And with a manger, it's a feeding trough. Therefore, we conclude it was some form of stable. The debate was, was it a barn? Was it a, a cave? We really don't know. It could have been either. What we say is scripture, you know, history will give us a little more detail as to the culture of the time, but we don't actually know. The Bible does not say whether it was a wood barn or a cave. We just, we don't know. Uh, were there animals there? You would assume there were animals there because she was eating from a feeding trough, but the Bible does not say. My point is this. Uh, and I'm not saying it's wrong because there's legitimate reason to conclude that this was a, a barn or some form of stable and this was animals there. And there's, it, it's easy to conclude that all I'm saying is there's nowhere in Scripture that actually says that. Uh, I, it's easy to conclude it because of the details we do have. Uh, one of the things that I encourage you to do in any kind of Bible study, let the Bible dictate the facts, not what you've been told before. Don't, don't follow something that you believe to be true because you heard me say it or you heard another preacher say it or you heard it on a podcast. And if you do hear that, you see, man, I've never thought of that. Go look it up for yourself. I encourage you to do something. And I, I will deny, deny the fact that I didn't spend hours studying this out. I read up on it a little bit, so maybe I'm missing something. So maybe you go study out all of the Christmas story to find out if there's more information than I have. The shepherds were told to go see him, and the shepherds were told later in this passage, you will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Um, and so you will see those two aspects. And so it's only two times. Now, the shepherd would know a manger, that's a, that's a stable. So there's a lot of reason to believe that. It's just not stated in Scripture. Uh, now, here's one of the things as we take the last couple minutes. We've looked at, you know, some basic facts, and there's a lot of things about the Christmas story that we can look at. That, frankly, it's not right or wrong because it's not quoted in Scripture. There's a lot of things that are factual. One person asked me, who rode the camel back and forth to, to Bethlehem? Was it Mary or Joseph? We assume Mary because she was pregnant, but we have nowhere in Scripture that says that. It just makes sense she was pregnant. She didn't walk the entire way. What well, my point is, it's easy for us. I don't want to get caught up in those details. I want us to understand that, make sure the Scripture dictates what we say. Having said that, let me encourage you that as we finalize this thought this morning, that one of the things that grabs my attention is it was a manger. 
He didn't have a legitimate place, a, a bed. The family didn't have a bed. They didn't have a, a home, obviously, to stay in. Uh, we picture it as freezing cold. We don't exactly. We know the fact that he wasn't born in December. We do know that. Many people probably closer to June. We really, uh, one of the reasons is the shepherds were in the field. It wouldn't have been that cold. There's all these kinds of different reasons. It wasn't probably their winter time. We don't know. We do know the Christmas season was actually augmented years ago by humans, and they put the birth of Christ in there. Um, the point is all this. The truth we do know is that Jesus was willing to come down and, and go through the point of birth to be born of a female, to be born of a virgin, to fulfill prophecy and to show his deity, um, to have a humble birth. This was the King of Kings, the, is and was at the time, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Messiah. And yet he didn't come in glorious grandeur as any baby born to some type of ruler was at that day. He came in a humble birth in a manger in swaddling clothes. There's nothing, there is no way, there's no more simplistic way for a baby to enter the world, a more nonchalant way to enter the world than that. There wasn't a birth announcement in the Bethlehem Gazette. Uh, there was none of that. It was simply the baby was born. Now, having said that, the angels come to the shepherds. Well, the lowliest of all workers, really, in that day. A couple years later, the wise men come. We see a lot of pomp and circumstance from heaven's point of view. There wasn't a lot of pomp and circumstance from the human's point of view. The shepherds went out and started saying things, and they pushed it, and they made a big deal about what happened, which is a great thing to learn from. But in, in the human realm of a king being born, very little pomp and circumstance. The glory that came was from heaven. Can you picture the thousands of angels sitting above the uh, shepherds, the, the choir that must have been up there? I just try to picture the supernatural realm again interfering with the natural realm. And it just exhilarates me to think about all that meant was, as heaven is telling to just a few uh, really insignificant in, in human history people, and say, look what's happening. They've announced the birth of Jesus. I'm glad that God is a God to everybody. I'm glad he doesn't care about our station, our income. He doesn't care about how good we are, how bad we are. Our past doesn't care about any of that. He cares about where we are now. He cares about our heart. Why do you go to the shepherds? Number one, they would, they would listen, they would go and see the baby, and they would tell others about him. It's a pretty good reason to go to the shepherds, because there's other people that would have heard the information that might not have done that. So he went to the people who had the sensitive heart. He's always done that, by the way, in human history, still to this day. His message is to everyone, but the ones with the sensitive hearts are the ones that take it, and they do something with it. And that's really important for us to remember, that it's a sensitive heart, and all of the messages come our way. Um, to be able to take what God has given us and allow it to teach us and mold us and keep us close to him. Thank you so much for, for joining us on this uh, Tuesday edition of the Social Truth Podcast. And we are so glad that you joined us and just taken some time today to be in the Word of God as we reevaluate things that most of us know about the story. But boy, isn't it great to be reminded how much Jesus loved us. As Philippians says, he took on the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And I am so grateful for that truth. I'm so grateful for what that truth means for me today. That humble birth ultimately gave me, to his humble death, to give me a glorious salvation. We hope you have a great rest of your day today and hope to see you again tomorrow here at 11 o'clock. Please reminder that Wednesday we will give you an update. Tomorrow we will give you an update um, as to the, uh, with the storm and everything, what we will do tomorrow night. And uh, so we'll just do everything we can to post it everywhere we can to let you know so you don't come out here. Obviously, if there's a foot of snow on the ground, that kind of answers the question. 
But we love you. Thanks for giving us the opportunity to be part of your day. We hope you have a great rest of the day. God